the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 25. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Sandra. Hi, Tammy. I am good. I got up at 4.30 this morning. So I am like, I know, I know. You've had a full day. fully caffeinated, (laughs) locked and loaded. I've had a bike ride already. I have marked several things off my list, but I have more to do. I have a client coming by today. And so, I don't know. We've recorded a podcast. (laughs) Now we're recording an intro. It's called... Yeah, I know. Stacked Tuesday. (laughs) I kind of like, mine's stacked today too. I was looking at my calendar and I was like, this is an interesting, it's funny that you're saying that because when I woke up, I looked at the Tuesday and I was like, huh, this is a day all about recovery. So Mm. I'm waking up and I'm recording a podcast with you and with our guest, Amy, and I'm meeting with a sponsee and then I'm going to therapy (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then I'm meeting with my sponsor, and then I'm going to a Sober Sisters 12-step meeting tonight. So it's well, like that's nice. it's like a full, like I stacked it all in there. Um, I've been trying to do that a little bit because, I mean, maybe that's overkill today, but I was spreading it out throughout the week, and I felt like I wasn't able to get a lot done creatively or on the home front because I was kind of running to meetings and running out to meet sponsees or meet with my sponsor a little bit all throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, there's something that could be said for that. That that's nice. It keeps me level, but I was feeling like I, could, I wasn't in the studio mm-hmm. or if I made an appointment in the morning, my day was shot because mornings are my best time. So I'm really trying to figure out um, last week it was Friday, but I think today, Tuesday is my, is my, kind of focus on sobriety, uh, recovery, not sobriety, but on my hardcore recovery stuff. So yeah. So talking to you is part of that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else new with you? Exciting. No, I got some new stuff up in your shop though, right? I did. I did. I finally got some, uh, kimonos finished. You know, it's not just like finishing them, the, constructing them, then I have to photograph them and measure them and put them up on the blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> I try to chunk them. I try to wait until I have a few so I can do several all at once. So I put three up. I've, I've got a few more that are almost done and then I'll hopefully get those up, uh, this week too. I kind of got sidelined, um, with just some other work that I've had to do, which is, you know, I can't, I, I still have, it's all work. It's all good, <laughs> but just, just, um, uh, alterations and things like that. So, yeah. uh, and you know, taking care of my little familia, which is a full-time job all 
Bible on its own. I'm sure you know all about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about that right now. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my, my home life right now. Nothing bad. Just like, I just, it's just teenager dumb and I'm just mad. I'm over that. But I do want to talk about something fun that I decided to do. And I wanted to share it here because I think you'll appreciate it. Um, I have been going to my book club that I am part of for 11 years that I started. Um, and I've struggled with it in sobriety, um, for the last two and a half years, still going to my book club and I love all the women and I'm the only one that doesn't really drink. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't really, I don't drink. (laughs) Right. Um, and one other lady, um, um, oftentimes doesn't drink and, uh, but you know, there's like 10 of us and. And so it's, it's a lot to be around and every month, you know, sometimes I go and sometimes I haven't been going, but I was kind of approaching it like book club is my teacher and it's going Mm -hmm. to teach me how to be around other people who are drinking and it's a safe environment for the most part. Um, and I thought I really just kind of needed to persevere and push through. And so I'm hosting next month and I am having a little bit of anxiety about that. And because last year I did it and it was an alcohol-free book club. Um, and you know, most of the people read my email that said that, but one lady didn't (laughs) and brought wine and she quickly figured out that that's not what we were doing. And so it was really gracious, but it was still a little awkward for me. I was going to say that would probably be awkward all around awkward for her and for, yeah, the whole everybody. Yeah. So, um, so I am hosting next month and I think that, that that will probably be my last time hosting for that group. Um, haven't told that group that yet. I'm just kind of still figuring it out in my head, but I feel like I'm ready to kind of just let it go, let it go. So I being me, <laughs> uh, and I do love to read and I, I have been cramming and reading all these books that I don't really want to read for book club. Right. And I, mm. and I just don't, I'm not reading the books that I really want to read. So I decided to reach out to a couple local ladies here and start a sober Sunday book club and we're going to meet once a month on Sundays for tea or coffee and going to read a book that we all kind of agree on. We're going to have a little planning meeting and, and we all have the same books on our nightstand and we haven't even kind of do- we've dabbled in them. So mm-hmm. we're going to focus and just kind of plan out um, the next six months or so and just plan on reading some books that have been sitting on the nightstand about spirituality. Nice. That's nice. I tried at, we did one book, one book club Uh book (laughs) in our unruffled, uh, Facebook group. And I thought that was kind of fun. And then I, and then summer just enveloped me. And so I couldn't, I never jumped back in for another one, but anyway, anyone listening, if, if you're in our Facebook group, um, and you want to do a, another book for a book club again, I, I would be totally up for it. I think you inspired me too. Just like when we did that, I'm, I, I like the idea of a book club. I mean, I love books. I love it's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just was wanting to read some, um, I think it was Tiffany Hahn that was joking this summer. She made a hashtag about getting her spiritual MBA. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that's, that's kind of what I want to do. There's, those are the books I kind of want to read right now. And they've been just mm-hmm. sitting there while I'm reading all of these um, fiction books that I'm not that interested in. 
I really mm-hmm. love reading memoir. I really love nonfiction. And I really, um, there's some books that have been recommended to me over the year that I just haven't made time for. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited. We're meeting this Sunday, um, and it'll be four of us, I think. And um, that's a nice small group to start with. And yeah, so I'm really That's really fun. That. Yeah. I love keep, that. I'll keep you posted. We can yeah, share what we're posted. reading in the Unruffled um, Podcast Facebook group, too. So if anybody wants to join, you know, we can talk about it. Maybe it can be a book that we could all agree on. Yeah, yeah. I would totally be willing to start back up in um, the Facebook group. Yeah. So that's all. That's all the excitement in my world right now. Yeah, same. <laughs> so who are we? We have a we have a lovely conversation to present to you all today. That's right. I can't I can't believe this is episode twenty five. I know. I was I mean, kind of thinking that too when you when you gave the the producer prompt or whatever that's called (laughs) officially 25 of these yeah um our guest today is amy lanier and uh i met amy kind of just through like i mean a lot of people on instagram and through hip sobriety and um she's going to be my ray of light interview in a few weeks um so look for that she tells more of her story there and gets into a lot of the things that have helped her on her path and um, kind of her background. So we interview her here, but you can read more about her there. Um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've met Amy once in real life, actually. She Aww. came to – she is a fellow Texan, and she lives in Houston. She actually uh, lives not too far from where I grew up. Uh, she does right now. And so um, – but I, I just figured that out, actually, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, she came to Austin for, I guess, one of Holly and Laura's um, workshops or the workshop that they did together, maybe. That yeah. was why I didn't go to the workshop, but there was like a pre-meetup before that that one of the other ladies organized. And uh, so, yeah, I met her there. She bought a dress for me, and I got to just hand deliver it because of the timing worked out that way. And yeah, I love Amy. She, um, she has made a career in information technology at a major Texas university. She does project management, web design development, graphic design for online and print media. Those, all of those very technical things that, um, Neither you or I do. <laughs> I mean, I can operate a camera, but that's about do a little Photoshop. That's the extent of it. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, and go ahead. You yeah. tell the rest of her her passion she has, about. Well, she part. has a couple passions. So she's like has a, a dual passions, I think, for scuba diving and for painting. Uh, she, uh, is a quick study because she learned how to swim about 10 years ago. And today she's a Patty certified rescue driver. So that influences a lot of her work because she's a visual artist and she only started painting eight years ago, which I just crazy. I love, I totally love, um, her wife gifted her six weeks of painting lessons for her birthday. And it just took off from there. So we're going to dive into that today. We'll talk about her studio. We'll talk about her home studio. We'll talk about that transition. And um, we'll talk about 
a lot of things, you know, our age and how she quit drinking and her awesome, awesome hair. We're going to talk about that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can find Amy on Instagram and oh my gosh, we'll link it because I all of a sudden can't remember. I don't have her Instagram handle pulled up. Maybe you'll pull it up while I'm speaking. Uh, but her website is I am Amy.com. Yeah. But if you follow her on Instagram, you can see she's been posting a lot of her works in progress, things that she's finished. She recently sold a couple of pieces in an auction, a hurricane Harvey auction that happened in Houston. And those were gorgeous, gorgeous pieces. whatever her process is. I think she talked about that acrylic pouring technique. I got to look that up because it's so cool how she makes her painting. It's so cool. Looks like water, you know? Yeah, it looks textured. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, On on Instagram, her handle is achrysalis. So A-C-H-R-Y-S-A-L-I-S. So at, at achrysalis. And it's beautiful. It's just a visually stunning um, Instagram page, which I love. I love looking at artists' process and when they share that and then kind of getting to know them too. Um, that's how I've made a lot of community is through Instagram. So if you guys want to follow her there too, she's, I like, she says, a geek by day, artist by night. So that kind of <laughs> sums it up. That is sum it up. Sums yep. it up about her. So, um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy our interview. And for me, it's just another Texan, you know that I'm kind of smitten with. I have, a thing. I have a thing for you, Texas gals. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> I love the love fest. We just had a Texan love fest today. All the way in California, sending all my, yeah. You gals, there's something about you. Yeah, well, we will clink our Topo Chicos <laughs> to you today. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, Sandra. Hey, Sandra. I can't believe I get to talk to my two little Texans. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll try not to overwhelm you with the Texas accent. Oh, please do. (laughs) Please do. Nothing I'd like more. Um, Amy, the last time I talked to you, we had a Skype call, a little Skype date. And um, that was when Hurricane Harvey was coming into your town that Saturday, I believe. You were kind of hunkering down and getting ready for it. Yeah. So how? Yeah. How did? How are you doing? You know, how was it? And how are you doing post hurricane too? We just wanted to check in. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, We are so lucky that we bought a house in the suburbs a couple of years ago, kind of after, you know, I'm, I'm a city girl and I've always wanted to be downtown, but I did something out of character. We came out here to the northeast side of town and we were very fortunate. Like our old house was underneath water. It was over by one of the major airports that was the first one closed. We had I mean, just surrounded by water. So many parts of Houston, you know, getting rescued, boat rescues, National Guard, helicopter rescues. There were rescues two subdivisions down from us, but we really lucked out. We were very, very fortunate. You know, I have friends that are in a similar um, area out here 
she's probably just a little further north and a little closer, further from the lake and closer to one of the major rivers that flooded. And, you know, she lost everything, her home, yeah. her studio behind the house. There's so yeah. many people that oh. the destruction was incredible. It really yeah. was. It was yeah. one of the biggest events I think we've seen. You know, Amy, I grew up, I didn't realize this until everybody was posting about Hurricane Harvey stuff, but I grew up very close to where you live, actually. That's where I was, I was born in downtown Houston, but um, I moved to my hometown. I think my parents moved there when I was a week old, and so I lived there until I graduated from high school and went to college. So uh, I know I grew up very close to where you are. Um, Small little world. (laughs) I know. Right. So when I figured out where you were, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. We, I was, I'm like right up the road. So I knew exactly what you were going through. And we have friends that live all around where you live and he lost everything. In fact, uh, my husband went to go help out some friends two weeks ago, uh, right after Mm-hmm. And they were pretty close to you, actually. And oh, wow. uh, they had two houses kind of right next to each other. One the lo- was a loss, complete loss. The house completely went underwater. And, but oh, then man. their other house only took on about, I say only, but took on about four feet. And wow. so, yeah, so it was really, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it would just it was just dumb luck wherever you happen to be. Yeah. If you happen to be a little bit higher, then it seemed like, you know, you were all right. Are you but are you a native Texan? I am a native Texas uh, Texan. Born and raised in Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've lived away from Houston for a couple of years in the mid nineties. I moved down to Fort Lauderdale area. Yeah. And it's my goal to move to the Pacific Northwest. I've got about 10 more years until I can retire, and we are hitting the road. Really? (laughs) Seattle calls. I cannot wait to go live in Seattle. Really? So you just want to live somewhere else. See, I don't know if I can ever move out of Texas. I've... I've thought about it, and I mean, we, my husband and I, really would like love to live in West Texas. That's our dream place. But even then, we're like, we still want to be in Texas. (laughs) We just want to (laughs) go west of here, like off the grid a bit. Yeah, yeah. Austin's such a cool town, though. I love it. It is, and I love Houston. I, but I, with you, I love downtown Houston. My father-in-law lives downtown in the Heights, and. My my ex-mother-in-law lives by the Menil, and I I have a big affinity for downtown Houston. So I get what you're saying about being in a suburb versus being in the city. Yeah, I said I would never move to the suburbs, so I was kind of like shocked everybody when we did it. You know, it was so out of character. I had to consult my tarot reader and say, really, am I about to do this thing? (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) But, and we'll get into this later, but you have you know, you have a bigger plot, right? And you, mm-hmm. if you want to build a studio or you have a little bit more room to stretch out probably. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the payoff, I guess. It is. It's really, and it's nice. I'm surprised by how well I've adapted out here, but I've noticed some interesting things that life really is different in the suburbs. One of the first things I noticed, all of the gas stations nearby have the most amazing wine selections. <laughs> this I know. is a thing. They really are pushing wine on suburban moms. Holy cow. This yeah. is a thing. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, you know, cooler walk-in little wine areas. I'm like, this 
Wow. <laughs> it's like little to go. It's like you could stick them in your purse. I mean, yeah. Not that I've wow. done that. <laughs> no, I'm no, I don't know what I, you're talking the only about. Re, the only way I know that they've been your purse is because I've done it. So. <laughs> it's not like I carry a big purse. No, not anymore. <laughs> it's, it's totally marketing to the modern woman and totally marketing to mothers for sure. And that kind of, I feel like this whole marketing campaign, like, we deserve it. You need it. You know, you're a mom. It's yeah, so hard. Hangovers. No, no, thanks. no, you deserve, yeah. You deserve to be hung over when your kids are screaming on Saturday morning. No. Or just That's the modern women without kids, you know, just that we, it's chic and it's so, you're so independent and no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. That's not the truth of it. Well, I was no. going to ask you just a little side note, but I think I felt, I mean, Let's be honest. I fell in love with um, Texas when I was watching Dallas in the '70s. So that's why I, oh, I have fun. a big thing for for Texas. <laughs> I know it's not all like that, but you know, I liked, I loved that. Um, so I, I wanted to be like, imagine. <laughs> I wanted you know, to be Charlene. Everybody's Tilton. got on boots and hats, right? And sure. Gigantic hair. <laughs> oh yeah. Totally. The higher the hair, the closer to God. That's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but what I wanted to ask you in that, that hurricane, you and I had chatted briefly, and I know Sandra had touched on this, like hurricane parties and yeah. how is that for you like going through a big hurricane and big storm and like even thinking so, about that yeah and it was my very first sober hurricane there mm -hmm. you go mm -hmm. um it was kind of wild and what was interesting about it, of course you know the neighborhood starts putting together things hey everybody we live in a cul-de-sac with the most friendly people, which is a good thing, except for they want to have drinking events all the time, which is right. not a good thing. <laughs> right. um, I managed to dodge all of these event invitations and it kind of works out that I had to just quit caring what people think of me because I'm just like, you know, oh yeah, you think I'm antisocial, great. I'm not out there doing shots with you, sorry, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, being sober during a hurricane was a little weird. Because, yeah. I mean, literally, it's, I don't know if it's the same way, you know, in Florida and other places, but I mean, my gosh, there's a storm in the Gulf. People are like, buy liquor, get liquor and chips. That's everything, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it's just this huge excuse for this giant party. Mm -hmm. The last thing that came through was Hurricane Ike. And I mean, we were without power for like probably nine, 10 days. I probably don't remember the first four of them, you know? Yeah. I mean, because we were just drinking as much as we possibly could mm -hmm. the, the whole time. Mm -hmm. So to stay sober was, it was a little bit uncomfortable, really, because I, I didn't have, like, where's my coping tool, you know? Yeah. I'm still learning to live without the coping tool. So I, luckily, I had made a trip to Lush not uh, soon before the hurricane came. So I was in the tub. <laughs> I was like, no, we can't fill the tubs yet. I got to take another bath. So like awesome. Lush ba Bath and Body products, so not right. Lush the I, wine. Yeah. Right. We're right, right. out on Lush body, uh, body products. Right. That I like kind it. Of lush, not the kind of Lush of me past. <laughs> exactly. Well, you had a good plan there. I like that. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, you just have to. a lot to... of Monopoly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Well, so, so for our listeners, we wanted to just kind of dive in and just, um, wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit, you know, like how you came to sobriety or how you made that decision. Um, you know, we, um, we're going to talk a lot about creativity and where you kind of pushed off and, and where you're at, but maybe just to give somebody a little bit of a background that's listening as to sure. why you chose this path. Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, I had 
drank a lot for a very long time. I mean, I I grew up in this environment with, you know, friends and teenagers and my adopted family. I mean, just a big party and crew. We were like, you know, getting blackout drunk and puking hangovers from the age of 14. And drinking is as natural or was as natural as like breathing. You know, you're like, what am I going to eat today? What are we going to do? Whose house are we going to to drink? You know, mm-hmm. and now that I'm, you know, in my mid 40s, that is a lot of years of really drinking a whole lot. I had, uh, gosh, I finally got sober and consider myself to be in recovery since last March, March 9th, um, 2016 is the date. And I finally, that day, I, I had wanted to quit drinking for several years. You know, I've been to the point where I'm like, I'm just too old for this shit. Uh-huh. I am too old for puking hangovers and, you know, going out, going to a concert, spending a ton of money, not remembering any of it. You know, mm-hmm. people tell me, hey, did I have a good time or not? You know, trying mm-hmm. to look at your cell phone and figure out what you did. You know, where are the pictures from? What did ha- What happened? And I just kept, I, I was getting this growing unease that the behavior that I had in my early 20s, I was just so done, you know, tired of feeling sick, tired of feeling like energetically run down from being hungover most of the time, tired of managing, you know, where to get alcohol, when to get it, how much to drink, how much can I drink before I go out to the event, how much can I drink at the event without looking like I'm drinking too much, you know, that sort of business. And I really became scared kind of toward, I say, in the last two years with um, drinking to blackout because I've lost a lot of weight. And, you know, as a longtime drinker, you kind of figure out, right, where your tolerance is and where your game is. And you lose a bunch of weight and you change your body chemistry. And all of a sudden, you're back at square one. Like, right. You, know, you don't know no. how much you can. Yeah. Right. So you go from mm-hmm. zero to hammered. It could be one glass of wine or it could be two bottles, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was still in the habit of drinking as much as, you know, two bottles in one evening. And uh, I just, it wasn't fun anymore. You know, and the idea of having blackouts scared me now. I am guess, you know, maybe that's part of being older. It's just like, you know, I'm not trusting the universe to still have my back after all these years. I must be using up my drunk karma. Sooner or right. later, I'm going to get pulled over or something, you know. Sooner right. or later, I'm going to make a bad decision. I'm going to hurt myself. And actually, I did hurt myself. I, you know, fell down and injured myself, you know, broke a foot, walked around on it drunk for the rest of the day, you know, stuff like that. And I was just like, it's not, it's not fun anymore. And I am too old for this shit. So I wanted to quit. I actually went to an AA meeting, and it really doesn't—it didn't resonate with me. It's not my scene. I understand that it works really well for a lot of people, but it's not something that works well for me. And I had like one more miserable—I don't know what it was—about Tuesday nights is get hammered night. And I woke up that Wednesday morning, and I was just like, you know, up at 3 a.m. with the sweats and the mm. misery oh, and I the know shame. The yeah. God, I hate that. Right. And uh, I just thought, I've got to stop. I don't like AA. I had been seeing a therapist who was an LCDC, and she didn't have anything for me but trying to get me to go to AA, which the regular therapist I saw before then was trying to get me. I was like, there's got to be something else out there. So I got online, and I just started looking. I'm like, okay, what do I like? What works for me? I like yoga. 
I like, you know, of being mindful and desire mapping, this Danielle Laporte thing of desire mapping. And I thought, I'm just going to make my own program. So I start researching, making notes on Evernote, pulling links, pulling all this stuff. I find a couple of sober blogs and I kind of fell down the rabbit hole of looking at sober blogs and made it to hip sobriety, which was like the the clouds parted and the angels sang. And I thought, <laughs> holy shit, this is, it's exactly like what I was thinking I would have to build for myself, Holly Whitaker has done. She's got a sobriety program that's based on positivity and self-evaluation and, you know, changing your life. And it's not attached to this rubric of religion and kind of shame-based stuff that I felt AA was in the limited experience I had with that. So hip sobriety did it for me. You know, I, I would have started that day, but a class wasn't going. But I, you know, I found her, I bookmarked her, I started reading stuff. I, you know, started really like, I, once I got to her website, I kind of got into this whole area. Like I'd never even listened to a podcast before, which is kind of weird since I have a technology career, but I don't, I guess, address all or accept all parts of it. Um, I just fell down the rabbit hole of sober blogs podcast, getting into things. And I thought, there's a whole world out here and there's a whole option. There is a path to sobriety that not, that is not just the singular. Just one way. Right. 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 You know, I'm going to jump in for a second because I resonate with something that you said. I, um, I also, came to that same conclusion like there is no party that I have not been to there is no bottle of wine I have not (laughs) drank there is no random guy I have not made out with (laughs) so (laughs) I've done it all but I'm with you if somebody had told me in the beginning that AA was the only way to get sober I don't think I would have either Amy because um that's how resistant I was to it at the beginning as well now I did end up going to meetings later on in my sobriety, but um, it certainly wasn't how I started. I would have, I would have, I would not have started if Same. somebody said this is the only way. So Same here. I, I agree. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's kind of scary thinking, um, you know, and that's from, I was just, I had lunch with a gal yesterday that wanted to have lunch with me and talk about that. And just, um, if that would have been the way in, I wouldn't have gone through the door, you know, but that wasn't, I did my own as well. I think that's so important. And that's what I do like about Holly's work that she lets you, um, lets you in, you know, there's a way in and it's not too scary and it's a lot. She has a lot of information and a lot of resources, but it's almost because I think we all want to control our drinking when we're trying to stop drinking. We're under the oh, illusion sure. that we want to control it, right? Yeah. Well, then we want to kind of control our recovery too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, Good point. and we still kind of do, right? And we get that. We still get to do that. We get to pick and choose. I go to hip sobriety school. I go to AA. I, you know, so I still, we, I think giving the person who's in recovery, those choices, and not, not the all or nothing that we're used to in our drinking, right? Yeah. It's all or nothing. Yeah. It really empowers, I think, women for sure. I don't know about men, but I, I know it empowered me to say, like, I'm crafting my own recovery here. Right. And, and I, I like how you did that, Amy. Back. Yeah. 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 It really does allow you. That's a good point to to retain control and take control back. Because, you know, especially as you get kind of towards the end of your drinking 
quote unquote career, you know, you're at least me, I'm saying like you, like generic you, I was just starting to go off the rails with it. I mean, I wasn't out in the public, you know, running around to bars anymore, but I was, you know, drinking too much at home and, you know, am I going to fall down the stairs? I don't know. Am I going to say something rude to my wife and get in trouble? We'll see. You know, I mean, it was just, my behavior was just getting riskier and riskier. Yeah. So to be able to unpredictable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I never mm-hmm. knew, especially after weight loss, I mean, I just never knew what was going to happen. You know, when I was younger, we used to have this really cute saying about blackouts. We would say, oh, my camera ran out of film. Ha, 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 ha. You know, mm-hmm. oh, isn't that funny? It's not funny. It's gross. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it took me a while. It's so, yeah, sad. being in charge of my recovery, it felt like keeping a commitment to myself. And that's something that hurt my heart, I think, the most of wanting to quit for so long and not being able to is, you know, I kept promising myself, oh, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do that just for today or tomorrow or, you know, I'm not going to drink until the weekend. You know, all those little arrangements we make with ourselves. I can keep commitments to other people. I show up, you know, you need to dig a grave. Here I am. You know, I will, I'll come bail you out. What do you need? But I can't keep commitments to myself. That's where I was in the process. So being able to take charge of my sobriety, I was like, wow, here I am. I'm finally doing this. I'm finally showing myself that I'm worth it and I can do it. And that, it felt so much more empowering to me. It really was good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just nodding my head over here. Yep. All of that. Everything you said. Same for me. Same for yeah. me. Um, here too. I wanted to say, Amy, just before we, we move on here, a, a little bit of your microphone is just coming, like maybe getting too close to you or touching your hair or something. So it's just coming in and out a tiny bit. So just FYI, as we're, okay. as we're rolling here in our organic format. <laughs> about, I'm moving the little thing, boom thing around. How about that? How's that? There That's much better. Perfect. I mean, you, it was only a tiny bit. I just wanted to tell you before we keep going. Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, Sandra, do you have what's what's next? What do we want to? Where no. do we want to go? Yeah. Well, I I I just I don't know. I just resonate with so much of of your the beginning of your story for sure. I mean, that was exactly the place I had come as well. And um, but let's talk about let's let's move into art. Talk about art for a minute. So, did you make art as a little girl? You know, not a lot. I did make, you know, whatever was required in class. I liked to be creative, and I did, you know, try to do more art stuff at home, but it just really wasn't encouraged. I kind of grew up in this negative, scary type of environment where, you know, if I brought home something, a piece of art with the intention of it going on the fridge, it would get ripped up and I'd get, you know, a a tongue lashing for it. So I I just did not express myself hardly ever, (laughs) you know, as a safety thing, kind of staying under the radar and moving fast. So it just wasn't nurtured or encouraged or anything. Yeah. 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 So that's what was nice about finding it as an adult. It was like, Oh, it's still there. It's in there. Well, yeah. So, so you're more of a late bloomer then, right? When it comes to to your art. So what, what age did you decide to dive all in and what helped you to get there? Gosh, I probably started, um, eight years ago. So 39, 38, 39. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we had some friends that like to go, you know, to museums and stuff often. And one of the friends was a curator 
And so we're always like going to art things. And I think my wife got tired of me saying, oh, look at that. I could do that. Right. <laughs> said, yeah, but you didn't. You know? But you're not. <laughs> but you're not. You're not she gave me uh, lessons for my birthday to this um, there was a, a neighbor friend that was taking painting lessons from a local artist here in Houston. And uh, she gave me a six-week gift certificate for lessons. And I was like, wow, okay, yay. You know, so I got my supply list and went to the store and went to the lessons. And that's really what kickstarted it for me. The lessons themselves, I probably learned more from my friend um, I did learn a few uh, interesting things and techniques and, like, learned about tools. But the lessons themselves, they were more of a party environment. It was drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. We're going to get together and drink and paint. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, that connection was made very solidly, mm-hmm. very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, you know, learn some interesting things. And within that year, I'd set up a home studio and outgrew it and then rented a studio in the arts district and started having – you know, group shows and public shows and open studios. And I just kind of so dove exciting. In. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, yeah. that is so exciting. You had some momentum for sure. I did. And I was really kind of hung on this idea that, well, I can't be an artist. My degree isn't in art, you know? Oh, so I wanted to go back to school. <laughs> and I was laughing internally about this, Tammy. You were posting pictures of algebra recently. Yes. I did go back to school briefly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not taking algebra. Right. <laughs> you drew the line. I know. I I've got I a know. studio. I don't have any inventory because all of my work sells. I don't need algebra. I'm just going to wing this thing. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I might talk yeah. to you later. <laughs> oh, I just know I'm saying that because I admire you. I'm like, you go, girl. Two two paths to where you're going, and and you know one's earning the degree, and one is is just getting life experience. And gosh, if you're selling art without a degree, keep keep making art and selling it without a degree. <laughs> That's what I think. I, yeah, I mean, I would leave class art class to go to my studio or, you know, skip class because we had an open studio. A teacher talked to me once. He said, you know, why are you here? I said, yeah, oh, you have a good point. And I hate algebra. So I think I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I know I missed my painting class. I, I met with a, a student yesterday and I was like, I just miss that camaraderie. I miss the professor. I had a lovely professor. I miss that. Um, I've already forgotten some things, though, in terms of tools. And so it's kind of nice for me to be in a classroom environment. I get I get a lot of um, inspiration from others and that feedback and that kind of oh, yeah. troubleshooting. Like, I kind of, I love it. Um, I like being all alone, too. Um, but I'm curious. So that, like... You were still working your regular job, and then you had a studio practice, right? Correct. And yes. so that's a that's a full that's a lot. It's a lot. It's and a you lot had of a work. drinking career, right? I mean, yeah, yeah I would that... be remiss to not <laughs> add that part in because that that that's a lot. That is a lot. Well, see, the drinking career didn't get in the way of the art thing at all because, you know, you could drink the whole time you're creating and selling mm-hmm. art. So, you know, the yeah. no problem there. The yeah. drinking career gets in the way of actual, you know, the daytime job when you're, you know, have a hangover and you're praying for death until noon, hoping, you know, mm-hmm. oh, God, I'm going to make it through this next meeting or, you know, this big technical challenge, that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't miss that at all. <laughs> so how long did you have your studio? I had a studio from 2011 through, gosh, just last year. When did we let it? August? August yeah. of last year? Yeah. And, and so I'm curious, um, we're going to get to the closing up of that studio and, and your home practice, but since you are self-taught, I was just curious, like when you're in that space and you're surrounded, it's in the arts district, did mm-hmm. you ever get imposter syndrome from not going to art school or did that ever happen for you? Oh yeah. You better believe it yeah. because there's still this part of me that says, you know, because I don't have the paper, I'm not legitimate. Even though people are admiring my work and ordering commissions and, and I'm selling work right. and I'm, and I'm learning in a very visceral way because I'm learning by creating, you know, mm-hmm. and I do, you know, take a little class here or there to learn like a new technique or talk to other artists in the building, other artists I'm friends with, collaborate on a piece, that kind of stuff. So I'm always learning. But yeah, not having the actual like MFA, mm-hmm. it, it did. There were times, especially towards the end of the studio, the studio was just becoming such a drag. It was... Well, I was trying to quit drinking and then being in the studio was like really a big drinking trigger for me. So being there at all, that was such a drag. And then, you know, the art teacher that I mentioned a while back, she set up kind of nearby in a neighboring studio. I was kind of cranking out students doing this one certain technique that I've been doing for a long time. And I was like, God, the hallways are littered with this stuff. What's going on? <laughs> you know, right. like, oh, it's, it's everywhere. And. Uh, I didn't, I think because I didn't have the MFA and that would, you know, I'd feel like maybe I didn't earn, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, imposter syndrome. I guess that's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. I, I've, I've experienced that in my, in, in uh, many things actually, not necessarily photography, because, but I did when I was in college originally in university, I didn't, um, I was getting a liberal arts degree, but every project, independent project that I would um, use my sociology skills for, like as a transcriber, for instance, um, I was always super envious of all the photographers and I would bring my camera along and just like, I just happened to bring this. But I always felt, always felt on Mm -hmm. the periphery of that. And I've, I've felt the same way with writing and, um, you know, with, with fashion design, sewing as well. I think it, maybe it's part of the female condition, you know, to look at what everybody else is doing and compare and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, get in the space of, you know, I did it just recently. I put two pieces out for a charity show for Hurricane Harvey and it's the first things I've painted and put out sober. Mm. You know, I had to learn how to paint sober again. And, you know, even dropping the stuff off at the studios where the show is going to be, I was like, God, I don't know. Is it good enough? Did I find it right? Is it there? Did I do the hangers right? Oh, look at all this other stuff that's here. Is mine okay? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Just go down that road. And I, it's just our mind tricking us, you know? And it's that kind of stuff that if you allow it to spin up, you know, it will lead you to drinking. Or at least it me, you know, nothing like a little being uncomfortable and feeling like an imposter 
to make me want to take the ache away by having some wine. And, you know, now I'm part of the crowd because we're all drunk. Yay. (laughs) I I agree with you. Whenever I, I've even had to pull back on just Instagram lately because it was just starting to make me feel bad about myself. And you're right. That is the most uncomfortable feeling is when you feel small and inadequate and less than and even though intellectually I know compare and despair I know that right right sucks all the joy out of everything I know that intellectually it's hard not to yeah yeah I agree well I had a similar uh experience getting back in my studio um after I stopped drinking as well because I used to drink in my studio I would stash wine out there and um there was I always had it was always happy hour out in my studio no matter what time of the day right (laughs) so I had a I had a very very hard time getting back in my studio as well how did you uh I want to hear about how you overcame that initial hurdle Sheer force is kind of feels like the answer, but it's way more complex than that. I mean, I closed down the public studio and brought everything home. And, you know, all my supplies probably sat in the third bay of the garage for six months before we started cleaning out a guest room. And uh, I turned it into a home studio. You know, and I, I, when I get nervous about something, I'll spend a lot of time frittering in the preparations of it. So I spent a lot of time getting the shelving up and doing all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. I finally just had to make myself go start creating again. Mm-hmm. And it's it was hard because the technique that I liked the best and what I did most in the studio, the big studio was I do large-scale paintings where I kind of like, you know, I put plastic up on the wall, I hang the painting on the wall, I have this grid system that I've installed, and I literally stand back and sling paint at the canvas, which is so random. And, I mean, I do control some of what happens with gravity by flipping the canvas around back and forth. But a lot of it was about, you know, releasing control and being random and, you know, drinking was definitely a good part of that releasing control i'm picturing um like jackson pollock (laughs) yeah i would not ever (laughs) compare my work to that (laughs) i'm only picturing him because he was um, he he was the 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 paint slinger yes and drinker and drinker and yeah yeah I think that drinking while creating, you know, my brain, I'm very type A personality, you know, which goes well for working a career in technology. There is a whole boatload of perfectionism. These are things that I've just carried around my whole life of, you know, being very precise and things have to be a certain way. And, you know, I can paint like realistically, like paint from a portrait or paint, do that kind of thing. But I just agonize over it and I just kill myself. And it's so unpleasant for me to do it like that. So, you know, creating with all this random force of just, you know, letting perfectionism go and just slinging paint. And it was so much easier drinking. And, you know, I've started creating work again now, smaller scale, some by necessity, but I am working on like a 48 by 72 canvas. That's so um, big. But, you know, my, yeah, my room's a lot smaller, 
And I know I'm going to trash the carpet, so I'm already okay with that. I know paint's going to get on it, but I haven't started the slinging thing because I'm really kind of inching back up to creating work. It's almost as if I've started over, yeah. you know, allowing myself to be creative while sober. I really have to make a stronger effort to overcome the perfectionistic stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I can't just get drunk and let loose. No, right, right. That, that tool is gone. So mm-hmm. I've started working smaller and I've actually gone back to acrylic pouring is a technique that I was doing in like 2010, 2011. When there's a, a bit of randomness to it and you mix additives into the paint and you kind of pour things together and use gravity and let the paints flow around and they sometimes come together and sometimes react and come apart. And that's kind of what creates the images. Well, that whole method has gosh, it's changed so much in the last six years because there's new additives and new things. So I, I, you know, I went back to the beginning, starting with that. I'm working small again. I'm using this random kind of process and new tools and relearning. And I really have set it, like I set time on the calendar to go in there and to go work. I you love know? that. And I'm, I had to make myself go. And now that I'm starting to get into it and I'm creating stuff and I'm like, you know, after they dry, I'm scanning the work, I'm posting some stuff on Instagram, that starts to feed, you know, definitely feed my esteem because people, you know, they're liking it. And, and that's some validation. Good. There's yeah. de- nothing wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with being affected by that. Yeah. Right. And I was feeling so vulnerable, you know, first vulnerable, just creating work again, but then second, you know, putting it out there for the world to see. I was like, whoa, you know, but, but it feels good and it feels okay. And I've been safe and I'm, you know, I've got time scheduled this afternoon to go paint again, you know, and I'm starting to enjoy it and to get my rhythm back. And I'm, I'm starting to be able to work and kind of turn my, my perfectionism offline a little bit and allow myself to let loose and create and flow without the alcohol. And it's, man, it's like training wheels. I mean, it yes. is. It's like starting over. I uh, know. I mean, the only, I, it, you, it, I can only compare it to, for somebody who perhaps doesn't have a creative practice, it's like learning to dance sober again. Yeah. You know? I haven't even tried that. <laughs> <laughs> but just losing your, your inhibitions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah. My first dancing was with you, Sandra, with the old men at, at that Texas. Um, mm-hmm. Where was that? What was that place we went to? Oh, the Broken Spoke. The Broken Spoke. Oh, how fun. <laughs> yeah. Did you go two-stepping? We did. <laughs> we did. We, we, we had some cheese dip, too. I think I heard Lots of it. <laughs> queso. Queso. I was corrected. It's not cheese dip. I was all California girl on that one. They're like, uh, sorry. No fondue pot here. This is <laughs> We're going to take away your Topo Chico if you keep saying cheese dip. So... I'm not going to forget. Preparation for moving to the Pacific Northwest, I'm learning how to make all of my favorite Tex-Mex dishes. There so, you go. you know, I won't be hard up for the queso. Yeah, because you're not going to find it up there like you want, like how you like it probably. You're going to have no. to make it yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. along this line, like when you're talking about in your studio and, and doing all of these things, like um, now that you're not drinking, it's like you, you've just recreated, you know, your life. As a sober person, yeah. we, I mean, all of us, every single person who quits drinking 
has to start reinventing themselves. And I don't know that I consciously knew that I was doing that when I quit drinking, but I quit drinking in February. And then in March I was like, I think I'm going to go back to school. I mean, I tried to go back to school three or four times, um, over the course of 25 years I'd attempted. I, so when I went to go look at all my paperwork, I could see where I wrote to the admissions office and I got some research on this college. And when I moved, I tried to take a class here. I had forgotten all of that until, but now I had this time. I had this time and this energy and mm-hmm. this brain space that I needed to fill, you know, yeah. with something that made me feel good. That was my kind of recovery program for those first seven months before I found the rooms or before I found Holly, um, was like, okay, school. And then I'll hike four mountains. And it just was like, awesome. you just start, mm, it's organic. Like Sandra, you started walking and listening to podcasts, right? As your form of recovery mm-hmm. in the beginning. And you were like, oh, yeah, that was it. I went to, yeah. On being university. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till you get your diploma from Krista. It's going to be really awesome. Can't wait. Yeah, I've already. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I don't think we take that into account that when you stop drinking, you are literally creating yourself. And especially if you're a person that started drinking. I mean, I was 14, mm-hmm. you know, 14, 15, when we really got serious about this drinking thing. So, I've had my alcohol has been a part of my entire adult experience. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, it's painting, it's working without a hangover, it's traveling, it's going to concerts, it's dancing, it's having sex sober. I mean, everything, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that in a negative way, like, oh, it's terrible and horrible. It can be a little bit scary. That's for sure. Yeah. But it's also a really beautiful thing because you know what? I'm present. And that feels so good to me to be present and to be, you know, honoring this commitment that I made to myself, finally honoring it. Yeah. My husband said to me when I was in the depths of my drinking, um, around 2006, he'd said to me one night, like, it doesn't seem like you respect yourself very much. Ooh. Eh? And those yeah. words like never left me. Of course, I was like, yes, I do. I totally, <laughs> you know, I was just <laughs> drunk yeah. asshole. But, um, I, they, but I didn't forget them, you know. And it is about self-respect now and sobriety and respecting myself and honoring myself. And in doing so, honoring my husband and my kid and my family and just living a life with yeah. integrity and honesty now. And it's like... It's unbelievable by removing, just removing, you know, that one thing, even though it was a big thing, it just had this ripple effect into the rest of my life. And I think that's what we start kind of feeling as we, as we realize we remove that one thing, everything starts recalibrating. And at first it's a little disorienting and we're in our heads so much. And it's like, oh my God, it's four o'clock and I want to drink. Um, Gosh, relearning all those habits, the muscle memory, yeah. you know, oh. the tilt of the sun. Oh, it's perfect for a patio, perfect weather for a patio margarita, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. relearning everything. And I think that's, at least in my experience, that's what contributed to slipping. You know, I would love to be one of these people that said, I'm quitting and I quit and I never drink again, you know, but relapse is part of my experience. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah. And we don't know because we only have today. So who knows? We can't, Sandra and I talk about this a lot about future tripping and not future, you know, trying not to future trip. You can't, you can't know that you're never going to drink again. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't go into it with that idea. Like, Oh, well maybe someday I will. I just mean that all I got is today. And yeah, I think true. that is a very, you know, a very slogany, um, that's what you hear in the rooms is that one day at a time, or you only have these 24 hours, but it's so true. It's it. It's like Ram Dass be here now. Like just, it, it just is, that's a fact that all we have is right, is right now. So that, that helped me a lot, not, um, to travel down that road and not to worry about, you know, five years from now. Yeah. Um, But at the same time though, I, I mean, I will have, I will say that a, I, I tested the theory many times, many times, because I had several times in my in my life, you know, two, including two pregnancies that I didn't drink and uh, thought, nah, you know, it's been a, a long enough. I think I I think I got a handle on it now. And yeah. how that theory was proven or hypothesis, I guess, was proved, <laughs> proven wrong every single time and so now when it ever even crosses my mind or I see you know because Amy and I really have it rough being in Texas and all the patio margarita drink oh my gosh (laughs) and there's nothing to do but drink and go to restaurants I mean it's better in Austin than Houston this is a concrete jungle there aren't any mountains to hike I mean anything people do socially it involves drinking or eating like, mm-hmm. oh, come but on. if I, if I, if I take a little trip and I guess it's, uh, it's, it's taking a trip down memory lane a bit and then combining that with my, with a forecasted future, it doesn't take long to figure out how quickly and where that would go if I decided to have a margarita on right. a patio on a given Tuesday. Uh-huh. It. Yeah, it would never stop there. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I was I don't get out at brunch time very often. I'm just I don't rarely I don't go to, to brunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I rarely go to brunch, but I had to take my kid to a birthday party <clears throat> the other day and I had to walk through um it was at a one of those little ceramic place painting places mm-hmm. and uh, I had to walk through a bunch of patios I had to weave my way through a bunch of patios and there were just tons of it was a beautiful morning tons of people out with their cocktails mm-hmm. and it was about you know it was about noon I guess somewhere around there and lots of people out and I thought for a second God, that really looks good it does mm-hmm. it will never sure. not look good to me but I would never just have that one glass of champagne and go home and no. go to Home Depot and, you know, go work on a home project. Like I would never, that would never, that never happened ever, no. ever, ever happened that yeah. way. Even though I would always have the intention of, yeah, we're going to go to brunch and have a glass of champagne and go to Home Depot and work on the home project. It never, ever happened that way. It never no. happened. I would always go by the store and load up if I wasn't already loaded up. And I would continue mm-hmm. drinking the rest of the day. It yep. it was done. Yep. Yeah. That, that's what yeah. Sundays were for. I thought. I mean, I thought that's why yeah, that exactly. day was made. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sunday Monday. I like yeah. to lay in my hammock and drink and read books and make it look all glamorous on Instagram. And it was so sad. 
That's so sad. Yeah. I look at those. I'm like, oh God, you're in so much pain. Yeah, even... but you can't tell then. No, you can't. Well, yeah, there's like a there's something, but I don't. You can't put your finger on it. You can't. You just keep doing the same thing. That's what's so great about sobriety. I was chatting with someone recently. I mean, and talking about um, for me being uh, you know tending towards the perfectionist side or being a little bit more type A. Um, you want to control things, right? And right. and it's that's why it's so kind of how it was, what I was trying to articulate, I'll see if I can do it here, is that the illusion of control I had when I was drinking, I mean, there's nothing better than having control now that I'm sober in terms of, I had no control when I was drinking, right? It was just like, you never knew what was going to happen or how it was going to end up. I mean, you kind of did. Oh, blackout. Oh, reconstructing by looking at your phone. When you said that earlier, I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Trying to piece yep. together what I said to my husband the night before. That's not control. That's completely out of control. And that feeling must have given me all the anxiety that I had. But yeah, now but shame. now that I yeah, total shame. And now that I don't drink, I have control over that I'm safe. I have control that my kid is safe. I have control that I remember where I put my car keys or where I parked. Mm-hmm. So I have an, a different kind of control um, that feels so good to me. So to shift somebody when they were, when the girl I was talking to was like, you know, I, I like to have control and, you know, I'm like, but you don't have it when you're drinking. Mm-hmm. No. You think you do. No, it is a big illusion for sure. Yeah. And it is a big illusion. so if that is important to someone or anybody that's listening, like you, you have way more control when you're sober, you have way more say in how your life goes, your day goes, who you spend your time with, what you read, all of it. Like you get to design, just like you said, like designing your program for recovery, Amy, like you get to, you get to say what you want to do and how you want to do it. Like, I love it. And I get to be present to be an active participant in my own life, creating Mm -hmm. and manifesting the experience that I want to have, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's a wonder that I have such a good career and good friends. And, you know, I never got, got to jail and I didn't have some crazy bottom time, but I was so lost and, mm. and it hurt me most, you know, when I was trying to quit drinking and, and not all those years that I wished I would quit, you know, that I just couldn't be present. Yeah. And now the sobriety of being present in my own life, it's like, it's so good, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. worth everything. It really is. It's like you can't unknow this now. So when you travel down this path, so even people who slip or have relapse, they know the difference. And I think that's a really beautiful, um, that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. because you know that there's another way now. Right. And, um, I think the only time I ever quit drinking was when I was pregnant, but I don't think I ever quit for any, maybe for like 24 hours, a couple days, maybe. Um, but I never went for any sustained amount of time. And, um, again, when I, when I stopped drinking, I back ended it with a, like a, um, an elimination diet by my doctor. So it wasn't, again, it was all these little things that kind of came to me to help mm-hmm. open that door, mm-hmm. which I think it sounds like what you were saying, like, and, and Sandra for, for you, like, uh, we're just tired. So sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. And you just, yeah, you have to get there. And it's really, it's the next phase, you know, this is the next phase of my life. Yeah. It's like an invitation. Yeah. 
And I think it's good. You know, it's, I have friends, you know, we're all in our mid forties and we, you know, some others have thoughts of like, oh my gosh, I'm in my mid forties. I've lived over half my life. Oh, horrors, you know, no way. I so, I mean, I give way fewer F's. I was good. Um, I I mean, every day I give fewer F's. I'm just like, you know, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to do what I want to do and being present and being, you know, the architect of my life feels so good to me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. sobriety is just a big part of that. Yes. My life feels way bigger with way more opportunities than I've, than I ever felt in my thirties, of course, you know, drinking yeah. and my, mm-hmm. I'm way, way more opportunities. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not settling down anytime soon. Well, speaking of, I want to hear about scuba diving because I'm so intrigued. I know that, that you are a scuba diver and I've seen some of your pictures from your last trip. And I was so, I was a little, I was a little jealous. I've only, uh, snorkeled before and oh, I've never would- scuba if you ever want to learn how to dive, you, I encourage you to do it. Um, gosh, it's awesome. You know, I I am a rescue diver. I'm a PADI certified rescue diver. Um, and I've been diving for a little over 10 years now. Wow. I learned how to dive. One of my friends at work, he was learning how to dive. And he would come by every morning for coffee. That's kind of what I did in my department. I was the gal that grinded and made coffee. People come by. And uh, he was bringing his books and telling me about the process. And I mean, I remember just like feeling like I was going to throw up on my desk. I had so much fear around it because I grew up with this fear of water. You know, Mm -hmm. my people did not go into the water. Don't go in the water. You're going to die. That was just kind of like the programming there. But I always wanted to like, you know, looking at ocean pictures or aquariums or Jacques Cousteau comes on the TV. I was just like, ooh, you know, so drawn to that. So I was kind of hem-hawing around about it, and I ended up deciding, you know what? I, I had been skydiving a little bit before that, and I said, if I can jump out of a perfectly good plane, I can learn how to swim. <laughs> Come on. Let me get over myself. And I took swimming lessons, and I learned how to put my face in the water without freaking out, and graduated from my swimming lessons to learned how to dive. And advanced my dive training there for advanced certification and uh, master diver and rescue diver. And diving is awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. If you think you want to, I absolutely encourage you to try it. And and I'll I'll come, you know, visit with you and, you know, show you, you attend a class with you or whatever, because that's part of what we do as rescue divers is assist with uh, classes. The world under there is so incredible. And the sensation of being in the ocean and underwater, it's so peaceful to me. You know, it's just, it's it's a different world, doesn't even describe the sensation of, you know, rocking gently as you're swimming and seeing all this amazing life around you and coral structures and the occasional shark gets too close and you're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, things happen. Um, but it's, it's incredible. And I, it's something I'm so glad I did it. I, you know, again, it's one of those moments of getting over fear and going mm-hmm. to go do it. Mm-hmm. And it really, I probably paint way too much blue because <laughs> I make a lot of art reflective of things I've seen while diving. I love I'm that so though. That, I love that. That's your palette that's, though. That's what you're drawn to. 
It is. Like I'm all hot pink. I'm I'm not a blue person, you know, but I love that you are. And I love what you're doing with your work. It's stunning. And I can only imagine that scuba diving and sobriety is way different than it was when you were still drinking. Yeah. Well, one thing, I mean, you don't dive while drinking. It's like super against No, the, but even hangover, sure. right? Yeah. Out diving with a hangover is probably the worst experience you'll ever have because there's nothing mm-hmm. like a headache at 80 feet underwater and pressure oh. on your head. And, oh, it's horrible. And it is possible to throw up in your mm-hmm. regulator. Ugh. Yes, it can be done. <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that sounds yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So yes, you not dive or not uh, drinking and diving. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a big drinking culture around diving too. Boy, get off the boat, you're done. Time to hit the bar. Yeah. Right. That's part of it too. You know, it got even dive training. So we get done with the training. Okay, crack open the beer. You know, we're, yeah. dri- mm-hmm. we're diving. We're drinking Fosters. There's just like. Alcohol is paired with all of these rituals. It's uh, kind of incredible. But so yeah. just for me, because I, I don't know a whole lot about this world, but when you say that you're a certified or Patty certified rescue diver, what is what is a rescue diver like? What do you do? Uh, a rescue diver is kind of a level of training on okay. like a next next level of training would be like a dive master. And oh, okay. Dive so it's how much training you've had and mostly in safety and equipment. I mean, learning how to have fun while diving is a no-brainer. All of the training is about how to not kill yourself while doing it, okay. right? How to manage the equipment failures when you're underwater, how to save yourself and others. Rescue diving has an emphasis on, you know, uh, troubleshooting problems if equipment fails, you know, saving somebody, how to save people underwater, how to get them back to the surface, how to, you know, get them safe and get them back to shore so you can get, you know, an ambulance or whatever, mm-hmm. how to perform CPR in the water, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, wow. uh, and yeah, and there's also training um, for like search and recovery, you okay. know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Divers that work with law enforcement um, organizations are often rescue divers because that's, you know, you can go find people after an emergency or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not a type of uh, environment I want to dive in. So I've never yeah. done I have the training for that, but that's not my gig. I think it's interesting you shared through this interview, you just about helping others, saving others, the metaphor here, and then now you're saving yourself and quitting drinking and yeah. I don't know it's just really beautiful because you yeah you give give to everyone else right yeah and um yeah and you're helping yourself now and that's really beautiful Amy thank yep. you that's yeah. a really nice observation I didn't think about it that way but you're absolutely right yeah. yeah and I also love the theme of being a late bloomer I've always called myself a late bloomer yeah. I have kids later in life I got married later in life and I love the idea of a late bloomer. And yeah. there's this a line from a Sharon Olds poem. Are you familiar with her? She's a poet. That's I love her. Writing poetry for a long time. But there's a line from one of her poems that says, I was a late bloomer, but anyone who blooms at all ever is very lucky. I say that a lot. I love that. I use that line a lot. Yeah. Well, being a, being a late bloomer, like, it's, I finally feel like, I mean, maybe that's what happens in, in middle age, I guess is what they call it. Or people who have midlife crises. Like we used to talk about men having that with the Corvette (laughs) and everything, but I definitely feel like sobriety has been my midlife awakening 
for sure. Yeah, me too. I called it my midlife solution. I when like I first that. got sober, I said, this is my midlife solution. <laughs> I like yeah, that, Sandra. I love that. Um, <laughs> Y'all can use it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to trademark that. That'll be our new t-shirt for the show, Sandra. <laughs> there we go. Go see solution. if that domain is available, the midlife solution. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask um, Amy, because if you'll indulge me, because I know little to nothing about this, and I have a good feeling from reading your Ray of Light interview that you did with me that's going to be published in a few weeks, um, hey. that you you are self-proclaimed into the woo Right. Oh yeah. And so I am a self-proclaimed no clue about woo. So I just wanted to know <laughs> if you could tell me, cause I've heard this for years and years and years and I have no idea what it is. Although I know it means something and it's not good about retro Mercury being in retrograde. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and before I start, let me say thank you for indulging me and having this interview after Mercury went direct. Well, <laughs> thank you. when you asked that, I was like, sure, but I, I don't even know what that means, but I'm just going to say yes to her because I don't. <laughs> and thank you. You're welcome. That. So, you know, I'm not like super into astrology, although I do get a tarot reading twice a year because I just know this world, we are surrounded by energy and forces that we don't yet understand. And these things are real and I'm open to it. I'm like, you know what? cool twice a year I get my reading with Teresa and she tells me things that it's like like crazy they they happen you know astrology looking at kind of like like your sign or you know those kind of things you mm -hmm. probably notice that you connect with whatever yeah. your sign is so mercury retrograde is when in the astrological chart the planet mercury appears to move backwards it happens four times a year for a couple of weeks during and what it does energetically is screw everything up. <laughs> but it's really, it, that's kind of a true statement. It's That's maybe painting it a little negative. Retrograde means kind of a, a revisit, and it just, it puts things backwards. Like technologically, that's when your hard drive's going to blow up. That's when things are going to get lost. You're going to lose documents. You're going to have, you know, techni technical issues happen that can't be solved if you have travel plans during mercury retrograde count on you know getting delayed getting rerouted that kind of thing and i have just you know at first when i learned about it i was like yeah yeah okay because you know i, I kind of take everything with a grain of salt but after a lot i mean i've made my career in technology i have seen it with my own eyes so mercury you see it right you're there you better you're back right up in it data. Yeah, back up your data because something's going to blow up. Absolutely. Like, I won't launch a project during Mercury Retrograde. I won't sign a house note, buy a car. I did once buy a car during Mercury Retrograde. That was the only lemon I've ever owned. I mean, really? serious. It's real. Okay. And it happens four times a year? Four times a year. All right, I'm going to write this down. And it, yeah. <laughs> you can Google it and you'll find like, you know, this year's calendar because it kind of moves around just kind of how the how the planets move. But yeah, I mean, and there is a positive aspect to Mercury retrograde because, you know, retro meaning revisit, review, and it's a good time to kind of take your thinking and communications inward to do mm -hmm. work on yourself, to do, you know, a revisiting of priorities, journaling, that kind of thing. Okay. But as far as communications and travel and technology, count on them to get screwed up. Yeah. And especially, like my wife and I, we have a fantastic relationship. We've been together 10 years. I can 
guarantee you the very, very few fights we've ever had, they happen during Mercury retrograde. That's when you're fighting about fighting. Yeah, that's when you're fighting about, that's not what I said, this is what I said. No, that's not what you said, because it's just communication. What you say somehow gets garbled and heard differently. It is just, it's a weird time. It's just wonky. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like shaking my head over here like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That happened. Okay. Yeah. I was delayed last Monday when I was flying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, um, I am open. The thing about sobriety for me now, I am open and willing to learn these things. And I think I resisted them before because it was, I didn't know anybody that thought this way or talked that way. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have anybody in my life for this. So in sobriety, I'm finding, I just need to ask more questions. I need to be open to the idea because I definitely believe in energy um, I don't know that anybody else in my life, you know, that, that from my old life did. And if they did, they didn't talk about it. So in sobriety, yeah. it's so awesome to be able to ask other people, like cut through the small talk and just ask a question like that, you know, and thank you for, for giving me an answer. I appreciate that. I hope I did that. it justice. Yeah, no, I appreciate I, that. I, I agree with you, Tammy. I like the idea of just staying curious. That's how I felt I have been from day one of this you know, sobriety journey I've been on is I have stayed curious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, Amy, so you've shared with us that you're 46 and I just have to say, because I'm doing my gray hair experiment where I'm not dying my hair and it's been about four months and thank you. And it, it, I feel at first it was really hard those first couple of weeks with the initial skunk line just down my, you know, my roots <laughs> down my hairline, you know, where it was parted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but since then I have to say, and I mean this, I 100%, I feel so good in my skin right now. Yeah. And yeah. I have, I've been admiring your hair from afar on Instagram. You have this beautiful, beautiful head of hair and you have this yeah. gorgeous, beautiful silver silver locks in front and I just did you make a decision to go is that natural or is that just did you make a decision or how did did that come about it's partial Um, okay all the colors you see exist perhaps on my head perhaps (laughs) not in that exact uh, configuration (laughs) dyeing my hair since gosh that the gray streak that you see right in front Mm -hmm. started at like 16 so I oh that's awesome I love it so that's there. And I was covering it up for the longest time. I guess it was about five, no, four years ago, I finally decided, I was like, yeah, I'm tired of dying all the time. I just want to embrace that. And if it doesn't, you know, but I didn't, I was talking to my hairdresser I've been with for 15 years. And we were like, how do we do this? I want it to look cool. I don't want to be, you know, like I want to allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. But to, but you, you want know, it to, to be edgy fun. still. I wanted to be edgy still. So yeah. she said, well, okay, let's look at this. And we were talking about Marvel characters, the Marvel comic book characters. Mm-hmm. There's one named Rogue. If you look her up, you'll see she's got a big <laughs> white streak in front. It is after that. So we've taken my white streak that's coming in naturally and kind of enhanced it with like some dark near it to make it more Rogue. Love <laughs> so it. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it's partially natural, but not quite. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, I went to my hairdresser too, and she put some, we're supposed to be more platinum, um, highlights in it to kind of help the transition. So she lightened it up a little uh-huh. bit, which helped, but it still, it wasn't, I was kind of 
still wanting what you had going on. So I might see it's going to, it's going to transform, but it just feels good not to, I was, I was dyeing my hair at home because I was having to do it so often and I just hated it. I just hated it. Every single time I dreaded it. And, um, I, I, the last time I colored my hair was the night before I went to, she recovers in New York. So it was May 4th. And I was like, I'm so worked up. I'm causing myself anxiety. Nobody cares if I have roots. Um, it just really illuminated something for me about, um, being my more authentic self and not everybody has to do that. I'm not saying people who dye their hair, that they're not their authentic self, but for me, it was just another little tiny thing that I could let go of that I could shed. And I thought if I want to do it later, I will, if I don't like how it turns out great, but has been interesting, um, just in my mind, how I, things have been shifting and how I've been thinking about my appearance or what I care, what other people think and just kind of bleeds into everything else. So it's that freedom that comes in your forties. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. to choose to have superhero hair is what I've got going on. And I love it, you know, and now (laughs) I'm, I'm like, well, I guess I should stop coloring it at some point because my silver's coming in more, and I think I would have a whole lot more. But I'm like, no, this is my look. I'm, you know, I, I got, I'm rocking the superhero hair for now, and I'll yeah. stop sometime. <laughs> well, and sobriety is your superpower, so that's good. It's like all goes it's together, just, right? And it's just another thing that you that you have control over. You know what? If you want to color you your damn hair, color your hair. Yep. If you don't, that's then right. don't do it. Yeah. It's yeah, just and like, I barely have to color it because of the, the way that the silver comes in. It's like, you know, twice a year, a little bit of touch. So it's great. Mm-hmm. I love but it. But you're right, Tammy, letting go of the story that mm-hmm. I have to color my hair. Well, do yes. you really? No, you don't. Really? You don't have to. Yeah. No. You may want to. Yeah. Exactly. You may want to. I don't want to anymore. I mean, for right now, again, not future tripping. Right today, I don't want to. <laughs> I would like to let go of the story. I have to wear a bra. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I've been letting go of that for a while. But um, that'd be so great. Get in on that conversation at all. This poor carpool people. When I different. Except my daughter, who will always point out when I don't have a bra on for some reason. Oh. Completely fascinated with bras. I think I remember that. Like before you hit puberty, you're Mm -hmm. like. What are these bras? I don't, what, it's so <laughs> fascinating to her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's so funny. I know. <laughs> yeah, I am, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I'm braless. I think that's the way to be. I mean, as soon as I get home, that's what happens, but. I know, right? Sometimes in the car on the way home. Right. <laughs> We're so good at that. It's like Houdini, like a little magic trick we can do, right? All women know yes. how to do it. <laughs> Take it off like, like three seconds flat. <laughs> <laughs> right up the sleeve. <laughs> well, so we are kind of nearing the end here. Sandra, did you have any other questions before we yeah. go into our toolbox? Or? Yeah, I think we covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Amy, anything that we left out that you want to share that maybe we forgot or anything that you burning desire, I guess, that you want to say? Or? No, I think we've covered a lot of good ground. This has been fun and, yeah, very entertaining. And I apologize, I just choked on some tea, so. That's all right. Maybe we can edit that part out. Remember, we're organic <laughs> here. This. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> try not to inhale your tea while laughing. <laughs> well, we're going to share all your, um, your website and all that at the very, very end. But for right now, we're going to kind of just jump into um, the part of the show where we... Um, ask for you to share three items that are in your unruffled toolbox that help you either stay on the path of sobriety or help you um, 
with your creative practice? Yeah. Three things that like are your top three things. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff in my toolbox lately. Top three things, um, steadily bath, mm. the hot bubble bath with expensive stuff. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, I like seeing that on the sobriety app that I use, how much money I've saved by not drinking. Cause I feel like that means I could go spend it at lunch. <laughs> there you go. I was just going to say, yeah. use all that money you've saved from yeah. not hard, buying booze. Yeah. I love um, that. Yeah, baths, bubble baths, and I've spent a lot of time. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll go be in there three hours. Seriously, I'll just keep heating it up, you know. Dogs will come in and check. They're like, are you ever getting out? No. (laughs) So, yeah, bubble baths. There's something about that water therapy, right? There's something very... um, Yeah. Sandra, what... I'd be in there, you know, for sure. Yeah, there's something very soothing about it. Sandra, what, what do we call the hot showers? A scalded shower? A silkwood shower. That's right. Great. <laughs> Take the scalding hot silkwood showers. Or, yeah. That's great. I love that. <laughs> All right. So that's your number one bubble baths with lush products. And that's good. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. And what's your number two? Um, journaling. Mm. You know, I, I am a fan of Danielle Laporte and uh, the Desire Map, and I've been using a Desire Map journal for the last couple of years, kind of tracking my core desired feelings, which, um, gosh, for the last two years have been radiant, mindful, and creatrix. Those are my three core desired feelings. So a journal in the morning, kind of, you know, some kind of task tracking about what I'm going to do for my day, but also, you know, how I'm feeling, what I'm grateful for. What do I want to, how do I want to feel today? What do I want to bring into my experience today? What do I want to release? That helps me ground. It really, Mm. really does. And if I need to journal during the middle of the day, you know, I have another little one that I carry around in my purse. I can whip that out and get out some frustrations or, you know, at least kill time during a craving, Mm -hmm. you know, to examine like, okay, why am I craving? What's going on? What am I getting hooked into right now? Okay. You know, and take that time to bring my focus back to my experience and be mindful again and, you know, let the craving for alcohol pass by. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I like how you explained that. Yeah. Thank you. And lately creativity, Mm. you know, now that I'm starting to create work again and I'm experimenting with some new colors and some new fixatives and different stuff, I am, you know, headed upstairs. That's one thing that's nice about having a studio in the home. I mean, if you're struck by that, you could just run right upstairs and go, which is, it's good. So, you know, taking the time to be creative, kind of allowing that process without alcohol. Yeah. You know, it, it feels a little bit challenging, but it also feels really rewarding. So it, it's good. And that's a great way to kind of start to get into the zone and and be, you know, kind of get out of my head and away from all of this rationalization. Because, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of a craving, you're like, you get this internal dialogue happening that you're like, oh, you know, maybe a drink, it'd be fine. Da, da, da. Yeah, all these mm-hmm. things we tell ourselves. No, let me go get busy doing something else and let that yeah, pass. Yeah, I agree. I have to shut it off. However, mm-hmm. I however I have to do that. Right. Yeah. It's like a 
uh, a pivot, right? You have, you're here and then you have to pivot. And for me, just even if that's cleaning a closet out or, um, I have to busy myself and, and going into my studio, I think when you were sharing earlier, Amy, about, um, getting yourselves up in your studio, I think that's all part of the process for me. And I think a lot of artists, um, I listen to the jealous curator podcast and when she interviews artists, they talk about like kind of tinkering in your studio as part of a creative process, right? Kind of mm-hmm. prepping it. You get ideas, you find old work, you think about things. It's like all, mm-hmm. it's all, whether you're actually putting paint on a canvas or not, it's you're, you're, you're preparing, you're preparing right. to create. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. It all counts. It all gets you in that headspace of, you know, thinking creatively and, you know, not sitting around being bored. drinking because I think boredom is you know can cause one to drink (laughs) you know yeah I I mean it definitely yeah it it definitely gives you too much time to think about what you're yeah drinking Mm. (laughs) what you're what you're what you're not doing or romanticizing it yeah right that's like in the early sobriety why I read all the books right you I was filling all this time um reading all the books and, and journaling and making lists and doing, just creating something to take that, take the place of when I was drinking or Mm -hmm. planning to drink or making a grocery list to go to bottle barn or planning a dinner menu for a dinner party so that I could over drink at that. And there was a lot of time, um, spent surrounding kind of just the ordeal, just, yeah, just going to get all of the alcohol too and figuring out how I could bring it home and how I could put it in decanters so that my husband wouldn't know. I mean, there's so many things that I did. Such a time suck. Oh my gosh. So you get so much of that back and you know that, and I know Sandra knows that. And I hope our listeners, if there's anyone that's sober curious, I mean, I hope they take away from this interview too, that you get so much time, you get so much time and then you can, you can like fill it. And it doesn't, you don't have to be a painter. You don't have to be a um, a seamstress like Sandra. You don't have to be a painter like Amy. You, but you can create something, you know, of your life, whether that's again, organizing your closet or, you know, fluffing the pillows in your living room and redesigning your space. You know, you can, Mm. it doesn't have to be, um, a visual art. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it could be that get... thing that you wanted to do. You know, I mean, while mm-hmm. we're really busy drinking, how many things did you have that you say, gosh, I wish I could do X mm-hmm. or, wow, I'd really mm-hmm. like to explore Y. You know, mm-hmm. quit drinking. Yeah. Now you have time. That mm-hmm. whole list of things. And, yeah, you can f- get creatively curious instead. Yeah. Of, and, yeah, and try try things. Try those things that you've had on your list for decades. Yeah. Yeah. My sister called me the other day and she said, so I'm getting a passport. I'm like, Oh, where are you going? And she's like, I don't know, somewhere. I feel like if I get it, (laughs) sounds good. then I'm going to, you know, she's going to manifest that. I was like, I like that Tracy. Like, I like that you're getting a passport and with the idea that that's going to open up the opportunity to travel somewhere. I think that's, that's, you know, that's kind of what we're doing. I think in sobriety, we're kind of like, putting these things out there. Like when I started my Instagram account, I just, I'm visual. So I like looking at visual things and the fact that it's turned into this nice community that I've, um, become engaged with, right. And become friends with, and you know, I love it. And that, that 
by opening the door to something, you know, it just, it just, again, like talking about these late bloomer, it just, it blooms, it just kind of ripples. And I love it. And, I, and I'm so happy to meet you, Amy. And thank you for buying one of my paintings. I do appreciate I love that. It. I love so it. sweet. Right here. Yeah. Put it all together. Oh, like, and Amy's, yeah, and Amy's bought a dress for me too. So you are our this. favorite customer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, artists have to support each other. And let me tell you, that dress, I should have got a picture of it in Honduras. Oh. It inspired me to buy a two-piece bathing suit because, you know, I had to have the right color to go with that dress. Oh, my God. And I have never been in a two-piece bathing suit in my entire life. But I was like, oh. you know what? I am in Honduras, and I don't know anybody, and F you it. You don't give <laughs> one F. Not I one F to not, not a single one. And that dress... Boy, you walk in it and it flutters behind you. You feel like a goddess. It's just okay. the bomb. I, right after I made that, I said, this dress needs to be on a beach. So I don't know. Yes. Whoever buys it needs to get to a beach stat because it was made <laughs> yep. for flowing on the beach. So Yay. sexy. All of your things are so sexy, Sandra. They are. Mm -hmm. So feminine and beautiful. Yeah. I feel like a million bucks in my kimono. I can only imagine how a silk dress would feel like. I would just, that would be awesome. It is awesome. I would definitely recommend it. Hmm. Well, Amy, can you share your website with our listeners so they can go and see your work and buy your work and commission your work? (laughs) <laughs> all of that Please. I'm making work now out of a home studio and I'm like I don't have open studios what am I going to do with all this stuff I'm making I think I might actually every time I post something on Instagram people ask if it's for sale so mm-hmm. I might figure out how to do that on Instagram yeah. Um, yeah. anyway my website is very easy to remember iamamy.com oh I like that. Oh, everyone should go check out Amy's work. And Amy, thank you. I appreciate this is like a big thing to come and talk about all of this stuff. And we appreciate that you trusted us to do it. Thank you. Great conversation. Yeah. And um, our listeners can look for um, Amy's Ray of Light interview in the coming weeks over on my website at TammySolace.com. You can learn more about Amy. And yeah, thanks for the morning, Amy. Thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. It's really, it's so fun to actually talk to you. It's really great. Oh, well, we'll stay in touch. Yes. And I'll let you know when I'm coming to Austin. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'll drive up. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. We, we need another Texas meetup. <laughs> for sure. I, I think we're already kind of, I think that's already in the work somehow. Are you manifesting it? I'm going to manifest it right now. There's no retrograde. Oh, wait, before we go, there's something awesome happening this month. Something about 922, right? That's the autumnal equinox. And then something's happening on the 11th, did I read? That would have been yesterday. Yes, that would have been. (laughs) (laughs) They were talking about something being in Virgo. uh, um... There was full moon in Virgo. Yeah. See, I don't know enough to even talk about this stuff. (laughs) But okay, I'll I'll get ready for the autumnal equinox. But they were talking about this being there's some powerful dates this month and I was like oh wonder what that's all about but then see it left this 47 year old brain already so I'll have to research all right and you're part of the recovery gals art exchange for um the autumnal equinox so I'm excited I am I'm gonna put the finishing touches on my piece this week and get it out of the mail super excited I love it thank you for being part of that yeah yeah thank you all right well thanks Amy have a great day 
Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.